0: Hey, how you doing? Welcome to Delirious. I'm Kirk, your guide on today's podcast journey. Hopefully this takes your mind, if only for a brief spot of time, off the current coronavirus situation, as I know it's been pretty stressful for all of us. Now this episode features my friend Bart Beatty. Kind of sounds like a Western outlaw, doesn't it? I can hear the sheriff saying to his team, Look oh, that Bart Beatty's been rustling cattle again. He's hiding out up in those hills. It's time we bring him to justice. Well, In reality, Bart's a pretty chill guy. No cattle rustling that I know of. The reason I wanted to interview him is that he really epitomizes the spirit of hashtag do more. Every time I talk to Bart, he's always got a new project or venture going. We recorded this podcast at his beautiful home on Oars Island in mid Coast Maine, overlooking Casco Bay. And over the past year or so, he really dove in headfirst into renovating his house. So I've always admired his confidence and decisiveness in just getting after it, not worrying about whether or not he'd succeed or whether it'd be perfect. It does, does look pretty perfect, though. But he just puts his mind to it, and off he goes. And along these lines, Bart is also a big outdoorsman. He's a registered Maine guide. Something I'd love to be one day. Um, bucket list. He's experienced, he's an experienced sea kayaker, he's an avid hiker, uh, and he founded a trekking company called Sangha Expeditions. And after a solo trip to Nepal led him uh to a desire to bring others to these types of soulful experiences. So he uh recently returned from leading a group on a two week trek to Everest Base Camp. And so we talk in detail about that journey. It's a great story, one that I hope will inspire you to try something you never thought you could or would do. Uh, if you like what you hear, give us a a good rating and maybe drop a comment wherever you get your podcasts. I'd be much obliged. Now it's time to saddle up because today we ride to the hills keep your eyes peeled and your ears perked for that barbie's or wily one and you'll need all your faculties to pin him down let's ride so how about you Is it what, travel
1: Is um it yeah so i haven't i don't have any like you know out of country travel planned um but uh yeah i was supposed to go to Portland, Oregon in April, probably not doing that, Yeah. Um, and then I supposed to go to, then I, then I didn't really have anything planned until, I had a couple things, just little trade shows in Boston and Portland and whatnot, those are canceled, but I'm supposed to go to Denver and Chicago in June, so yeah. those may still be on, we'll see what things are like. like I mean,
0: I'm uh, honored to even be here, since we're all supposed to be social distancing, you know? I
1: know, I know, yeah. Who knows? I read an article last night that uh, it's quite possible that people who are asymptomatic are more likely to spread um, the coronavirus than those who are symptomatic. We're just not, we're not going to escape it. (laughs) We're all going to get it. I know, I know.
0: But so it goes. But it's, so, I mean, we, everything is sort of shut down, but it's kind of, there's there's definitely an upside, right? Cuz it feels like it's just making us kind of slow down and yeah, you know, just yeah, you know, just kind of look look at the look at the simple things. Now, the run on toilet papers a real thing, <laughs> right? I mean, especially for me considering right. how much I use. Your daily routine of yeah. <laughs> a roll a day. A roll a day. <laughs> I need to I need to I need to think of some other, you know, plan
1: B. Yeah. Granny Sue, you know, across the way here, typically has like 16 of everything. <laughs> uh, so I just always bank on the fact that if we run out of something, she'll have it. Yeah. Um, toilet paper is one of those things that she's like, she gets down to like less than 20 rolls. She starts oh, yeah. to twitch and- uh, <laughs> Gotta stock up. Uh, yeah, we order it by the case on Amazon. Oh you yeah, do? it just comes like, so, you know, subscribe and save. No way. Uh, we get the- Just auto renewal yeah. toilet paper? Yeah, big case.
0: What? Yeah.
1: You're still on it, then. We're still on it, but they're out of toilet paper. paper
0: oh, so you so we won't be
1: getting it. Uh, oh my god, before. they're
0: out of toilet paper at Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Um, yeah. So anyway, well, this is a beautiful spot right here. First of all, you got your uh, looks like you got a project going out there.
1: Uh, always got a project going, Kirk. Yes, yeah, you house. do. <laughs> What's this project? So, well, you know, I redid this room, all the yeah. windows and stuff, and then had to reside. You know, outside on it, and then the kitchen. Um, you know, that you you've been here since I've done the kitchen. Yep. Yeah. So all that, and then so the siding is off that outside of the main part of the house. So I'm just residing that. It's just cedar shingles, Uh and it takes forever. Um, You know, because it's basically one at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Almost every one of them has to be cut and and all that. Really? So yeah. So I had the table saw out here so when yeah. you've got nice days when the winds not coming off the water but coming maybe like today coming from the north yeah Um, unprotected over here and can yeah, you know, that's cool you can do it without freezing to death yeah, you always got something
0: going so it's yeah. always great to come and see the new projects and it it keeps me hopeful of what we are capable of doing of course I feel like this is like you know I've always felt this way since I moved to Maine, because I feel like, you know, this is like a main thing. Like, you go to somebody's house, and they're like, oh, yeah, I just built that deck, and I just, you know, <laughs> knocked down the kitchen wall, and I'm like, I can't do it. I have none of those <laughs> skills. Can, <laughs> but you, like, how did, like, you just, like, all right, I'm just going to, how would you start doing it all? You're like, I'm oh, just watching a YouTube video and just go for it, because I have this, like, fear, a fear of starting something, and mm-hmm. just totally screwing it up and then being like oh shit now I'm going to have to get the pro in here yeah
1: yeah. that's why I don't do anything mechanical Um, (laughs) because that's I know my limits uh, with that Um, yeah it's interesting I think one of the things that I got from my father that's probably a positive thing there's lots of negatives (laughs) uh, is that um, he would always just work on stuff around the house without really fear and he would dive in and just do it. Himself. Do it, yeah. He grew up on a farm up in northern Maine, potato yeah. farm, and um, you know, piss poor. And mm. you know, that's just what you do. You know, you, you don't, you never call somebody to fix something or do something. You 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 figure it out. You do it yourself. So he he did that, and um, but he was really bad at it. <laughs> so. So I didn't necessarily learn any skills from him other yeah. than straightening nails, because that was my job. I would like sit next to him and straighten bent nails. Yeah, uh, that he'd I, pry I'm pretty good at bending nails. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> so, but my brother-in-law was a, is an engineer, my sister's husband, and um, they built a couple houses, one when I was in high school and one in college, and I helped them more on the one that I, when I was in college, to build that. And so I learned. I was the grunt, but I learned, you know, how to frame walls. That you know, he wired, he plumbed, put flooring in, all that stuff. So I kind of got like a you had the foundation. Yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. So I got yeah. some of that stuff, and then I just, I don't know, just mm. picked away at, at stuff. Yep. And occasionally, yes, I will bring up the YouTube video yeah. and be like, "All right, how the hell do I do this?" Mm. Um, and then just, I don't know. I just figure I can. Yeah. I can do it. But it's kind of funny you, you bring that up because when, when you first reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, doing this new podcast, yeah. um, you know, want to talk to you about your Everest Base Camp trip. I got thinking and being like, okay, well, what would I want to tell Kirk about Everest Base Camp, you know? And this is where I sit, you know, in the morning, yep. um, and drink my coffee and look out at the water and contemplate life. Sometimes journal, sometimes mm-hmm. get sucked into like, you know, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram. Right. Sometimes I'm texting my mother. That's how I kept up with her is by text. But, um, I was thinking about this and, and that I was thinking about it again this morning, um, knowing you're coming over, but, um, why and I was asking myself the question so like why why did I go to why did I do that yeah you know why why? it's a big question I had too yeah and you know I think there's two there's two reasons one simple reason is dude you know going to see Mount Everest up close and personal is just cool right right and you know I spent my time in my in my early twenties, you know, college and early twenties out in Oregon, climbing and being in the mountains, and you know, pushing myself and just mm. just loving it, right? And really, kind of, that's where I kind of got in touch with a couple of things. One, realized that I was a competent human being, mm. and you know, could exist in the world, and and had passion, and um, and you know, where I kind of connected spiritually with. Mm you know with things vision questing exactly yeah yeah did my, you ever do the vision qu- like the sort of yeah day? Mean, no food no a couple like 2 days yeah uh, uh no food my friend Edwin and I uh went out in the desert of eastern oregon and um you know we uh slept in this little wind swept cave on the side of a <laughs> cliff that we came across and um you know did some mushrooms and wandered around mm. out in the desert and um you know, it was kind of funny, though, with that trip, uh, it's total tangent, good at tangents, but with that trip, you know, it was, like, just about coming to an end. The next morning, we were going to take off, and, you know, we'd separated ways out wandering around the desert, came back, and, and uh, we're kind of talking to each other, and we're like, so, anything? Yeah, <laughs> you know? And, and you know? anything? Yeah, and we're like, no, not really. <laughs> Nothing. You know, it's like, you know, when you look for the Buddha, you know, or you know, uh, you know anyway, you find the Buddha, you know, kill him kind of thing right. is, you know, what you're looking for, you'll never find, but um, so anyway, I, I climb up uh, on top of the the little I don't know hill thing that we were the cave was kind of carved out of up at the top, and the wind was just pummeling out of the east, and you look west and you see the cascade range, mm-hmm. and then you know the, to the east is just you know high plateau desert. And you know Smith Rocks over you know on one side just world class climbing area and and um, anyway I just start spinning up there and I'm just spinning and spinning and spinning and then there's like this this comes to me it's like it's not the body not the mind but the soul not the body not not the mind but the mm-hmm. soul and um and and then it was sort of no it's not the body not it, it's it's not the body it's it's the body the mind and the soul basically and mm-hmm. anyway. Doesn't sound all that earth shattering, but at the time it was like, yeah, you know, all There was this together. revelation, right? And in the in the moment, a revelation is always more powerful. So totally. <laughs> when yeah. yeah. thinking about it later, but uh, uh, you know, it was kind of like, okay, let go of trying to find mm. what I was looking for, and there it was. And um, so, anyway, scatter, you know, smatterings of those types of experiences across life really is yeah. kind of what for me. You know, if you can find the thread between all of those, uh, it can help you figure it all out. I guess and put your own meaning on it, whatever that is. Hmm. But it's got to come to you. Stop trying to find it. Well, yeah. So, although you went out looking for it, yeah, (laughs) I went out looking for it. So, but yeah, the Everest base camp. So that so that crazy tangent. You know, the first is like. Who, you know, who doesn't want to see, you know, yeah. having been in the mountains and loving the mountains mm-hmm. and, and all of that, and having been to Nepal one other time before. Yeah, I want to talk about that, too, because that was more <clears> like a solo journey. Yeah. It turned into a solo turned journey. turned into a more solo yeah. journey, because I think it was supposed to be. Um, yeah. But, uh, what? And, and, you know, this is sort of maybe a, you know, a deeper kind of psychological thing, but... Um, it's, it's really what I've kind of discovered about myself is that I have to do intense physical things. Mm-hmm. And it, I guess it didn't always have to be physical, but I, I have to, It's. I mean, to be cliche, I've got to go big or go home yeah. in a way. I mean, there, there are, I, I've got to do big things. I've got to push myself, whether, whether it's physically it or
0: mentally. You feel like you're not getting the most out of,
1: like, life? Or what is it? I have to do that to validate my worthiness to exist. Interesting. <laughs> you know? Um, so validation of the worthiness, really. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I think even as I, you know, as, as I was saying earlier about finding my love of the outdoors out in Oregon in college and doing all that, that stuff, you know, I learned that I could do, I could, I could accomplish stuff in the outdoors mm-hmm. and push myself and, um, do things that I didn't think I could do, Yeah. um, and do things that other people weren't doing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for me as a, um, you know, a kid who didn't have a whole lot of self esteem and, and, you know, didn't really know what I was passionate about in the world and didn't really know, um, you know, that I was a competent human being really having those experiences where I was really pushing myself and mm-hmm. achieving, um, helped me realize that, you know, it validated my existence really. It was like, okay, yeah, okay. You, you, you are like a strong person. You, mm. you do have competence. You are, um, worthy of, 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 of existence. Not that I was ever like, oh, I don't, I shouldn't exist type of thing. Yeah. Um and as I kind of look George back, George Bailey, the George Bailey right? Wish I'd never been born. <laughs> <laughs> so so as I kind of look back, you know, through my life, you know, I there are these big trips that I do, or or even anything I do in the outdoors. So if I go up for a paddle here, it's rare that I will ever just just go for a leisurely paddle, right? You are just like just pushing it, gonna, yeah. It's like okay, so if I'm gonna it. go around Pond Island here. I'm like, all right. Which way is the wind blowing? How fast do I think I can do this? Um, How fast can you do it? I can do it in about forty five minutes. Um, it's and it depends on it's high t- tide, or low tide. Yeah. High tide, I don't have to, you know, it's not as far because yeah. not as much of the island yeah, is exposed. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, and I'm and I, you know, I'll, I'll I'll set my or look at my watch basically, and you know, really I'm like push I, gotta, I gotta I gotta push myself and do it. Um, so, so Everest base camp is, is a, you know, that, that trip was, and and I think also going, you know, the Annapurna circuit trip and that was
0: your solo trip. That was my
1: solo trip. All, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with that. And there, there's a friend of mine uh, that I went to college with university of Oregon and we used to lead, uh, Backpacking and outdoor leadership trips and things like that together um, through the program there. And he now lives in Boulder. He's an endurance athlete. Cool. LCSW uh, starting a, a business. He's getting his master's in sports psychology, I think, oh. as well, right now. He may have finished it, but um, he's starting a business called uh, Building Mountains. He's got this thing, um, it's this French phrase. Uh, plus a en vous, so more is in you uh, mm, I love basically. it, and it 's this idea you know that we all have this little something more in us um, that, if we can activate that, will help us achieve whatever it is we 're trying to achieve mm. and so he works with endurance athletes um, but it, but also just people struggling with depression, anxiety, yeah. and whatnot. Aren't we and, all? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I and and I I actually reached out to him um a couple months before I went to Everest Base Camp and um you know, just to catch up, but also was like, Okay, dude, I'm out of shape. I haven't really done anything this summer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go, you know, climb, you know, up to Everest Base Camp, give me some, you know, training hints. Uh, and, uh, it, and it was great. And, and, and what he kind of talked about, uh, his biggest training hint was, well, other than you only got two months, so there's not much you can do at (laughs) age 47. So, you know, do whatever you can (laughs) run, walk, paddle, just -hmm. stay active. But the other was, you know, activate that, that that little bit in you that, mm-hmm. is, that, that 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 plus, that more that's in you, that little something extra. Yeah. Figure out how to activate that. Mm. Um and and so as I thought about that, you know, it's um I that when I whenever I activate that, it's almost like that's the adrenaline rush yeah,
0: totally. that
1: I get uh that um that I, I seek. It, that it's it's not just it's not really an adrenaline rush, but it's like an adrenaline rush that mm-hmm. validates my existence. <laughs> it's like okay, here I am. This is good. I you know I'm I'm I am here and I'm worthy of being mm-hmm. here. And and I think it comes out when I decide to tear out this entire room that we're sitting in you know in October mm-hmm. and and push my ass to get it done right, replace the windows and insulate and siding and everything right and get it done comes out and decided to go to do ever space camp or, you know, paddling in the winter, you know, when the wind's blowing and and things like that. It's like, I've got to activate that, that Mm. piece. And I think that's, that's a, it's a good tool. Like I know I have that, Mm -hmm. um, to, to, to be able to activate. Um, but I've got to find other ways. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the more extreme ways? Of, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I find if I'm not, if I don't have a big project mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm training for, that I'm going to do, or yeah. that I'm working on here at the house, or something that really is pushing me, that, you know, is kind of giving me that, that sort of validating my ego, yeah. I guess. And, and not like a, like, a, it's not, for me, it's not necessarily, I don't really... Well, I mean we all care to a degree, but it's not about getting validation from somebody else about what I'm doing. It's really getting it from myself. Like right. I'm my, my own worst critic. Yeah, if yeah. I'm not doing oh, yeah. something big, then I'm not feeling I'm not yeah. feeling worthy. Yeah. Uh, and then, then the depression yeah. seeps in, right? Totally, yeah. The uh, darkness. Yeah, the darkness. And it's been a fucking dark, (laughs) dark ass year uh, and a half for me actually, or a couple years really, and so it's just been trying to fend that off. Yeah. um, So. And
0: it's interesting, like you say, that your take on it is like it validates your your existence. You know your worthiness. I would look at it as, uh, like, there's just all this opportunity to to do more and to like really just get the most out of our everydays right you know and not like I I, I would I wouldn't look at it that way because I would just be like okay well I'm worthy just being here but I'm gonna I want to be the best I can be and right. so that is going to drive me to to take one of these trips you know or to push myself physically to try to knock down a wall in my kitchen and fail miserably mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do that actually because my <laughs> oh, you don't <laughs> kill me your your kitchen's great. <laughs> it's great for now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but the other thing I thought was really cool about the the base camp trip is like, you know, every time we hear about people going to Everest, they're climbing Everest, mm-hmm. right? Which is like this trip to the nth degree, and only this very few people who've trained mm-hmm. and have the proper gear, etc., can do this. Where this trip seemed like I was like, oh, this seems a more of like a realistic trip, even though it's a it was. quite an endeavor it seemed like more of a realistic trip that
1: I don't want to say anyone right and no Mm -hmm. not anyone could do it but it's a low barrier yeah people people can can do it uh it's not it's not overly physically challenging I mean you've got to be in decent shape you've got to be able to push yourself have that sort of experience of you know of pushing yourself physically at times to to get through things so if you know if somebody's never done that somebody's not a hiker or a runner, or or something, and right. where they've they've, you know, they've come up on this hill that mm-hmm. they have to push themselves to get to the top of, they won't make it. I mean, you've got to have that. Yeah. Um. But you don't have to be an endurance athlete. You don't have to be, you know, a marathon runner. Yeah. Or a total badass to, to do it. You, you've got to have that, and then, and then it's really about um, uh, the altitude. Just dealing uh, with the altitude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what was that like? Uh, I didn't have any problems with it, uh, which I was a little worried about because of the a year prior, Hannah and I were in Jackson Hole, mm-hmm. and um, both of us, and we, were, we met a couple friends there, all four of us really oddly just got nailed with altitude sickness. Really? We would taken a navigation? tram like, really quickly uh-huh. to the top of, of the mountain, whatever, I can't remember, the ski resort there. Uh, up to like eleven thousand feet or so, yeah. like in a fifteen minutes, and we were up there for about forty-five minutes or so, and then took it down, and then we rented these side-by-side SUVs or um uh, ATVs, yeah, and like drove them all through the mountains up to nine thousand feet, back down. We it was sort of this up and down, wow. and not drinking enough water, and mm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're guessing, um, you know, it, was, it wasn't the flu, it wasn't anything. It was right. classic like altitude sickness. Huh crushing headache, major fatigue, lack of energy, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's only uh, 9,000 feet. Yeah. Well, we went up to 11 and then we came back down, you know, and we were at like 65, I think is where we stayed, you know, Mm -hmm. so, but it was all kind of happened within a, you know, and we live here at sea level, so, you know, it's, we just, I don't know. We're at 10 feet right now. (laughs) Just about, yeah, yeah. So low tide so yeah <laughs> <laughs> a little bit higher right 15 um, right exactly but uh yeah so anyway the altitude I didn't have any issues with it um and and I had I didn't have any issues with it when I did the Annapurna as well but yeah so uh, that
0: trip was to a separate trip that you went on with someone else but eventually it turned into a solo yeah yeah expedition right Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you said because so you said it, it it almost was meant to be that way. But yeah. I want to hear more about that trip too, because I don't think sure. I really dove into that with you. Uh, first of all, where'd you go, and yeah. how long were you out there
1: by yourself? Yeah. Um, so I went in twenty sixteen, which I went about a year after I decided I was going to go to Nepal, mm-hmm. and which I decided on when we were dropping Amelia, my oldest, off it. College down yeah. in Goucher.
0: This is when you decided I'm going. I have I got to go a- to Nepal. Well, it
1: dawned on me that so we had her, you know, not really in a planned fashion, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, and so what dawned on me is she was entering the age that 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 I was leaving, or that I left when she was born. Yeah. Wow. And you know, I had all of these. Yeah, I was living in San Francisco above a bar studying Chinese philosophy, right, Mm -hmm. at the California Institute of Integral Studies, right, this total hippie, you know, new age school, and so I was living the dream, and I was just planning on traveling, and wanted to be a professor, Mm -hmm. and, you know, teach Asian philosophy, and religion, and stuff like that, Um, and so anyway, I, I remember just sort of like standing in line, you know, as you're checking your kid into school, and... It kind of dawning on me and then being like, well, I got to do those things. Mm. And I got to do them now. You know, what am I waiting for? And yeah, your uh, hips started hurting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for every one of my joints hurts like they do now. But um, So uh, Nepal, I always wanted to go to Nepal. and uh-huh. I didn't even know like where I was going to go in Nepal, what I was going to do in Nepal mm. or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Nepal. Hannah was on board with it. She's like, go do it. Yeah. Um, and so I decided to do a trek. Uh, didn't want to do ever space camp. Uh, yeah. It was just sort of like, nah, I don't want to, it's too much hype, too much whatever. Not, didn't, wasn't really into it. Wanted to do something a little more cultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, so chose to do the Annapurna Circuit. was gonna go by myself, wasn't gonna do, have a guide or anything of that nature. Uh, but then um, I was at a cocktail party at a friend of ours. And uh, there's a guy that um, that I'd met maybe five or six times, had some really cool conversations with. He's actually a pastor of a mm-hmm. church, um, and uh, which, you know, I'm not a Christian and don't go to church or his church or anything, but we'd had some really cool like conversations about religion and Buddhism and yeah. things like that, so. Um, and I don't know, Just I just decided in an instant that he should go with me. Let's go. So I said, "Hey, John, you wanna wanna go do the Annapurna, or do you wanna go to Nepal's?" I hadn't totally nailed yeah. where I was going yet. And he's like, "Uh, sure." <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, uh, and over over a period of time, you know, he was like, "Okay, well, I think we should have a guide." Uh-huh. Uh, I was like, "All right, you know, we can get a guide." I'm is first, this where, like? Did you start? Is this before you started? sangha yeah 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 it was sort of the impetus to
0: it it was okay
1: so this was really the seed for starting yeah yeah expeditions yeah yeah. so uh so at any rate uh we go over and we get a guide who who so a friend of mine um jamie reiner you met jamie we went and did tumble down together his um he had done the the annapurna circuit 15 years ago or whatever or longer and the guide he used now has his own company. So he connected Mm. me with him um, and uh, we used his company and his older brother actually ended up being my guide. Oh, wow. So we, uh, the Annapurna Circuit, if you do the, you can, they're sort of just like, the the part that most people do is what we did. Uh Um, And you started this, this town called Bessie Sahar and you, you go, you're basically co- gradually go up and you're going around sort of starting on like the eastern side of the Annapurna range. You're kind of coming into it and then you're going around the northern part of it with the peak elevation being uh, like 17,800 feet or something mm. like that. Is um, it pretty technical? Climb. No, not at all. No. Um, you know, going over this pass, it's called Thurong la and then you okay. go down the other side mm pretty steeply uh yeah, and you go to a, a you know a couple towns down to a town called Jomsom and then we were going to fly back to um Kathmandu at that point or fly into Pokhara actually this little town big town actually on this on the on this incredibly beautiful lake with the mm. Annapurna range behind it it's this classic sort of like backpacker's haven uh really cool place to go but anyway yeah. um so at any rate so that's what we were going to do that's sort of like what most people these days do with the Annapurna circuit you can you can continue to go all the way around um but yeah. it takes about another week or, or two how long were you how long the were trek you that we did uh was uh 14 days of trekking um and how many days did you do solo um, so I, I had a guide with me the whole time. So okay. it was the two of us. Uh, the first two days, John was with us, and then yeah. after that, he went back. Uh, mm-hmm. He went down to Pokhara, this town that I was talking about, uh, by jeep. I wouldn't have had a guide if I hadn't invited John. Uh-huh. And um, and having a guide was 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 great. I, I, I mean, it was really. Made the experience so much better than if I hadn't. Mm. Um, and Santos uh, was my guide, and and uh, you know, you know, we we became uh, you know pretty close on that on that trip. I mean, from a practical standpoint, just you know, you don't have to deal with, you know, where are we going to stay? Right. How are we going to manage this? Things he like that. He takes you care of everything. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know. We go left, we go right here, yeah. whatever. It sort of really allowed me to let go of some of that stuff yeah. which I don't often let go of uh, and just kind of be and yeah. be in the, in the mountains and be in the culture. So these treks, both Ever Space Camp and Annapurna, it's you're not these weren't camping treks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, you know you're really just carrying your, your clothes, a sleeping mm-hmm. bag, water. and that's about yeah. it. So snacks, snacks, Yep. Uh, but you're really you're toilet you're paper. walking a little bit of toilet paper. Uh, for you, you might need to have a porter <laughs> that's carrying. Uh, actually, we had a guy on on the Ever Space Camp trek who we joked that you know he needed to have a, a porter behind him with a case of toilet paper. And we came across some porters actually carrying carried toilet cause paper. Everything in the Ever Space Camp is carried by foot or yak or yeah. horse or whatever. Uh, wow. And uh, like yeah, massive like you know hundreds of rolls of toilet paper on <laughs> like, this guy's back, you know. But uh, but, but anyway, um, you know, just really kind of. Uh, so anyway, you're you're staying in, uh, you're going from village to village to village. That's cool. And you know. During the trekking season, they're very much geared for trekkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, trekking seasons fall and spring, basically. Winter's too cold. Summer it's monsoon. Se- monsoon season's too wet. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get a good visibility of the mountains. Things like that. So, um, so but so the the rest of the year it's basically just sustain. You know, uh, subsistence uh, subsistence farming uh, yeah. villages is what wow. they are. So you're going from village to village. You're staying in these little rudimentary lodges or tea houses mm-hmm. they call them, and um, and uh, and you, know, you they, get they, from
0: one each. To, you get from village to village each day. Yeah, you'll pass through others okay. as you go too. So you don't necessarily uh, ever have to like spend the night out no. out there. No, not at
1: all. And are you off the grid the whole time? Really? Like... Uh, remarkably, uh, on that trip in 2016 there were places where there was no cell phone coverage and no wi-fi Mm -hmm. but there were times where i'm like you know halfway through you know this trek on the way up and i'm facetiming my family in the states you know in this little village because they've got satellite wi-fi yeah and uh, i'm like all right cool yeah Uh, so it was kind of cool to be able to stay connected yeah um but there were, you know, there were, it was never such that I felt like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm too connected kind right. of thing. Felt that a little bit on the Everest Base Camp trek. Um, it was almost, you know, every, I think there was one place we didn't have cell phone reception. It was like the last, hmm. um, uh, the last place we stayed uh, before hitting base camp. Um, there was no, so you're always yearning that. for more. Yeah. And so when you've uh, got that connection, if you don't let go of it, you know, you're yeah, kind of,
0: right.
1: Um, but anyway, uh, so, so yeah, I, I just think, you know, uh, I, I like to do things solo. I like to do trips solo. Yeah. So, you know, I think why John, uh, why do I like to do them solo? I'm an introvert by nature. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sometimes having to deal with other people, especially in a... People suck. (laughs) People suck, right? Exactly. You know, I like to be able to maintain a pace. I like to be able to, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, if this catches my attention, let's go check that out. And I can definitely do that with people. But, uh, but there's something about just doing it on your own and, Mm -hmm. and, and really just kind of being, um, and I, and I had Santos very much as well, uh, you know to to talk to and keep me company and you know keep him company and uh and that kind of thing and to kind of educate me about what was going on and what's what and mm, and all that cool. kind of stuff. But what
0: did like did, did when you left that trip came home? Yeah. What did you were you did you have any like big sort of revelations or enlightenment about yourself or life or I mean you walked that long by yourself out in mm. the Himalayas? I would think that you'd have some pretty deep thoughts.
1: Yeah, so um similar to you know, I, I had some deep thoughts and I had some um you know, some like little of those those sort of glimpse sort of experiences, right? Like not the body, not the mind, but the souls mm-hmm. I'm spinning on the top of that you know, that that ledge out in eastern Oregon that I described, you know, I had some experiences like that. Um, so there's something about 15,000 feet for me that when I get to 15,000 feet, I've decided that, like, I don't know, there's, like, uh, I open huh. a little bit more. Um,
0: Do you know you're 15,000? Or, like, when you get there, you're like, I know, now I know I'm at 15,000 like, feet. <laughs> yeah, this pretty much. Shit. Like, pretty much, like, you right, know, you
1: can get a little things loopy. Things are getting a little loopy. loopy. Yeah, if you're not totally acclimatized, yeah. you're a little loopy anyway. <laughs> but, you know, right around 15,000 feet, I mean, there was this one time... Uh, on the ever space camp trek i will answer your question but uh you know where it was just like i i just had this profound deep feeling of gratitude mm. like how lucky am i to be mm. here at this moment experiencing what i'm experiencing yeah and you know to be in these mountains uh, I, I mean just where i was at that particular moment was just incredible it snowed the night before not a lot and it snowed the day before while we were you know trekking but you know just a couple inches of snow on the ground yeah. you know, the mountains the clouds were pulling off the sun was coming down it was like this intense dark blue mm. you know like the blue of the water almost you know sky yeah. um, and uh, you know we were yeah it was just incredible um, just mm-hmm. this profound just feeling of gratitude of, of of being able to experience that and then later that that day I um, there are these little stupas all over the place What's stupa so a stupa is kind of this round monument with like a spire at the top usually it has um, like an eye you know eyes nose you know kind of thing uh, painted on it yeah. sort of like the typical Buddhist or Hindu or Indian kind of, um, um, I can show you a picture of it, like sort of like the, the spiral eyes and the nose. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. uh, it feels and like and something like,
0: my like Italian grandparents would say, don't be a stupa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's
1: supposed to have like a relic of the Buddha in it. Uh-huh. Oh, like oh, a really? hair or a bone fragment or something like that. Um, and you know, so they'll be in pretty much every town, and yeah. they'll be built uh, by the by the people who live there. Wow, it's a lot of Buddha remnants to go around. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, but at any rate, um, you know, I kind of scurried up this this uh, hillside up to this this stupa and got up there, and you know, you're just looking out over these massive mountains and valleys and whatnot, and then there was this 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 Another was really kind of like a chorten, which That's is kind of like a stupa, but it's smaller and it's really more like a. They're typically more square and yeah. they're piles of rock and, and, and whatnot. It's much more um, rustic, mm-hmm. I guess, and rudimentary. So I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go up on that. And check that out and then from there there was like another ridge and like i gotta go check that you know i gotta go up on that ridge because i can see some peaks on the other side i want to see and i get up into that ridge and you can it just kind of opens up the kumbu valley which is the, the glacial valley where yeah. the kumbu glacier is what pours off of right. of everest uh and, and kind of forms this this whole valley it's, and, and there's just like yaks roaming around and they have these these bells on their neck and huh. and uh, and I find myself just sort of like walking around this this Chorten clockwise and you go clockwise around everything or pass to the mm-hmm. you know on the left side of everything in in, in Nepal and um, and you know just chanting Om Mani me Hum you know just just around and around in the mountains just just going around mm-hmm. and and had like this. I just started, like Hannah came, like Hannah was there. It was like this presence of Hannah, um, you know, and was, you know, just, uh, and, then, and then Ella, and then Amelia, and Chloe, and then and, and Nina, and then the, the boyfriends, oh, you know, James, the dogs, and Kevin. Were the and, dogs in well, there? The dogs were not there. Um, <laughs> nor was the cat. Uh, but, uh, you know, in each of them, there was just like this word, you know, mm. uh, like for Chloe, it was justice and Hannah, it was like holder of love mm-hmm. and Nina was power. And, um, and, you know, it was just, uh, uh, and, and Amelia was the strength, you know, she's a new mother and it's mm. just been really intense to see her like be a mom and have this, just, this, just strength, um, that yeah. I, yeah that I wasn't so sure she had to be honest you know Mm. you know and she's been finding her way and uh but she's just a fucking badass um with what she's doing but at any rate um you know and so it's just like these intense moments that I would sort of have yeah both of those around 15,000 feet and Annapurna I had another one that was just like just like um it would just looking out at the, at the Anapurna range, these 26,000 foot, you know, mountains and the wind and just feeling this, this, this interconnectedness and really this, the, the lack of a separate self, uh, mm-hmm. really from, from that, from, from the energy that just was forming those mountains and blowing around those mountains. And, and, you know, the, the thousands of, of years that, mm. um, you know, people have been, you know, chanting in those mountains and monks have been sitting in mm. those mountains and, um, you know, the, the burning of incense, which is just everywhere. Really? Incense burning everywhere all the time. Um, sage burning. Uh, and so actually that, um, I'm totally on this weird tangent, but anyway, it's so great. that, like, uh, I'm up, uh, this is an Annapurna, I'm up above this, I think the town was like Yakkirka, I think it's called. Oh, I like the name of that uh, town. Yeah, it's kind of a cool <laughs> town, and, um, and I'm up on this hillside. Great, here they are. Oh, see, they heard me talking about them. <laughs> so yeah, I'm up above Yakkirka, and I'm like feeling that, this, that just intense energy, and then all of a sudden I just, I'm like, Wandering around I'm gathering rocks and like it's I'm not you know it's hard to breathe, right? <laughs> and I'm like got armloads of rocks and and I'm building this little uh, fireplace thing huh. and and uh, and and I grab some dried yak dung that I find because they use that to to burn for firewood instead of firewood right and uh, and I'm breaking that up and putting it in and 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 getting some some uh, Juniper that's that's you know growing around and burning it, and it's just you know billowing you know this 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 smoke and it, but it was almost like I wasn't intending to do that. Yeah. I, I wasn't even really doing it. It was just like was just almost as though I was like possessed yeah. for, to do it. So there's just mm. I don't know something there's about fifteen thousand yeah. feet in the Himalayas <laughs> at least that uh, that kind of like yeah. drives me to do do these things. But
0: what about like what was the I remember one of the pictures you would put on on social media at that time where, like, you were in... You were, like, en route somewhere. It was, like, a blizzard. You're behind some truck or something and you're, like, holy shit. I'm, the, I'm like, thinking, what was, like, the hairiest... What were the hairiest moments of the oh, trip? Oh,
1: that must have been when I was... Was this just recently, like, when I was in uh, Everest? Yeah, in Everest, yeah. Yeah, so that was actually in eastern Nepal. So after I did the Everest Base Camp trek, so I just started this job, right, um, mm-hmm. working for uh, Wicked Joe and Wicked Leaf Organic Teas, so I decided, okay, I'm in Nepal, why don't I go check out some tea gardens, some yeah. organic tea gardens while I'm there, because I know nothing about tea, right, and I'm starting <laughs> this job. And you're a brand
0: tea. ambassador. Uh, yeah,
1: I, that's, I didn't know what my title is. I'm definitely not a brand ambassador, uh, <laughs> That's that. that's clear, but... Um, but at any rate, uh, so I had um, set up a couple tea gardens to go visit through our importer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, one of them was in eastern Nepal, and then one of them was in the Darjeeling region of India, just over the border from mm-hmm. Nepal. So I had um, gone and visited this tea farm in, in Nepal. It was just, I mean, it was an incredible experience. I flew into this little town. and they picked me up and took me up and you know to the mountains where the tea farm is spent the night there you know just they took me under their wing showed me you know everything you know the whole process of growing tea plucking the tea leaves processing it all just super super friendly guy the guy who owns it um i was trying to figure this guy out the whole time because I'm really good english educated Mm -hmm. in the united states uh, you know, culturally seem to understand... Um, I later find out, once I get back to Kathmandu and talking to my friend Chandra, who runs the trekking business there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy is like the fifth wealthiest guy in Nepal. Wow. Like, oh, it's good to know. <laughs> but at any rate, he... Um, and then to get from there over to, to India, uh, he had a driver drive me to the border. And I stayed in this dusty, crazy border town on, on india where not a lot of westerners go it's mm-hmm. not typically how people go into india mm. um but at any rate so the drive though was that drive you're talking about yeah. was that and i'm just sitting in the you know you drive on the on the left side of the road um and uh and everybody just drives like fucking maniac <laughs> i mean they're just like it's just how you drive right and you just honk you know, at first, I thought, you know, the horn honking, first time I went to Nepal, the horn honking was just random, and yeah. everybody just liked to honk their horns, but it's really a, a mode of communication. I mean, it's how they communicate with each other mm. on the road. Uh, here I am, I'm, gonna I'm going to pass here. you, yeah. you can, you know, you can pass me now, you know, things like that. It's just really kind of interesting. Mm. So, but we're right on the tail of this massive, you know, Tata truck, you know, that's brightly colored and, you know, and, and, and all kinds of stuff, and and cars are just, it's just craziness. And I realized we're like right on the bumper of this car and we just all wasn't of a sudden snow out. It wasn't snowing too? It wasn't snowing, it oh. just probably looked like it probably yeah. was, but no, it wasn't. Um, it was just the way the lights were yeah. and, and, and everything. It was probably a crappy picture too. <laughs> but I remember sitting here going, you know, and I wasn't even, I wasn't really stressed out by it. It wasn't something that was, really, was making me anxious at that point because yeah. I had, I don't know, it's just sort of like what we've been doing for the last month, uh, for the yeah. most part. So I felt, I was pretty cool with it, but I, I got thinking about, geez, if Hannah and the girls were here right now, they they would be, like, shitting themselves, Freaking <laughs> out. you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I think that's, yeah, that's that's why I, I, I posted that. But, uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, we could have died at any moment. I mean, but you just kind of surrender to it, and yeah. just assume this... 20 year old kid who's driving <laughs> this SUV, amazing. you know, it's no I would have been freaked again.
0: out. But yeah. like any other you get used
1: to it. You do. You know, and you just sort of let go and you're like whatever, you know. Right. Like, what am I going to do like walk? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is probably more dangerous. So any yeah. like any sort of hairy moments on the actual trek? Um, hairy moments on the actual track. Uh, you know, not not, you know, not really. It's pretty it's pretty. Calm. Calm. So it's pretty it's pretty yeah, you know the weather was pretty good. We had a little bit of snow, which was, um, which was cool because mm-hmm. it allowed, you know, just I don't know, just something about being in the Himalayas. With the snowfall just, snow, just yeah. feels cool. Um, after the day after we went to Everest Base Camp, we we went up um, the, the side of this peak called uh, Kala Patar, and you get up to about eighteen thousand five hundred feet about a thousand feet higher than Everest Base camp and to catch a better view of Everest uh, that wasn't hairy really but it was um, it was hard yeah that was the hardest part it was cold Mm -hmm. we got early in the morning Um, the Sun was just coming up when when we went up so it wasn't super super early but uh, it was kind of overcast and the wind was blowing it was just biting cold yeah and it's just just, like, steep as hell, mm. and, and so you're just really kind of, you know, you're plodding, you know, you're, yeah. t- it's like step, 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 and plus you're, <laughs> you're trying to breathe, yeah, I mean, you're, you're breathing like you just, yeah. you know, we're sprinting, but you're, but you're walking really mm-hmm. slowly, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, so that, that was just pretty intense, and, you know, I, I we, we kind of got up there, and it was like, the pinnacle of the trip, really, yeah. I mean, Ever Space Camp is what you're going to go to go see and to do and whatnot. But, but the the most physical part of the trip is going up to Kalapatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys in our in our group didn't make it. He ended up turning back halfway up. Um, we just having a splitting headache, mm-hmm. you know, from the altitude. So he he went back, um, and uh, he was fine. But um, yeah, we get up there and it was just fucking freezing. Yeah, and so we took pictures. And then we're like, okay, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's know, I down. Mean, like the pin, right,
0: the pinnacle, the actual purpose of the trip was to get to base camp, yeah. right? Yeah. But it it seems like the journey there was more indicative of the trip, right? Or like you got more out of the journey yeah. than the actual, yeah, destination.
1: Yeah, totally. Which is how it should be, right? Yeah. You know, and um, but base camp was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? So. Um, you know it's basically sitting base camp is, is you know when we were there in the fall so it's you know it's before the winter so you're not it's not covered in snow most of the climbing of Everest happens in the spring uh-huh. so you still have like remnants of snow and you know a lot more snow basically at that point um, so but after the you know the, the summer and the monsoon summer and the fall and all of that you know, a lot of the snow is gone so mm-hmm. you're on you're basically on a glacial moraine you know sort of the you know on the sides of it and you're on the glacier itself which is largely just you know you gravel massive rock you know all that on top of the ice yeah. right um and so that's what base camp is kind of that mm-hmm. uh and um but you're right up alongside or you're on um Glacier, you can see the icefall, the Kumbu the ice fall, the ice fall yeah. which is that first part of the right. climb that's supposed to be most dangerous when you climb yeah. Everest. lots of people die there. Yeah, and you can see the, the peak of, of Everest. Uh, oh. You can't see, like, the whole mountain yeah. in all its glory because you, you wouldn't, you know, you kind of have to get up, you know, a different, you'd have to get up on, the, on from that side anyway, get up on the, the icefall and, and above that to really kind of, yeah to get a better, better picture of it. And, it. and at that point, you know, Everest is just this black rock. It's not covered in snow. It's, it's just this black rock. Oh, that's and interesting. It, yeah. yeah. So when you see it in the, in the spring, I mean, it's covered covered yeah. in snow. So you always see the pictures of people who have climbed it and, yep. and all of that. It's, it's, it's the snow. Were there a lot of people at no, base camp? There was nobody there. There
0: was there there. one
1: Australian guy no uh, way. who had kind of like followed us up. Um, we it, which was weird because, because we it wasn't climbing a, season. It wasn't climbing that, right? season, but it's definitely trekking season. Okay. But there's still so, there's nobody there. That's amazing There's nobody there maybe. climbing. I mean, there could have been, um, but we didn't see anybody there. Yeah. There were no like wow, camps. You had it all to yourself or anything like that. Yeah, we had it we had it to ourselves. And there's this big rock um, that uh, you know says you know, painted on this big rock says Ever Space Camp, the elevation. Um, and we all, uh, you know, got our pictures taken in front of that as a group and individually and whatnot. And I wandered down, um, down like to where the, you know, the ice was basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you could just hear the glacier, you know, mm-hmm. groaning, and you can hear the the water trickling and, and all that. Just these big, huge, like kind of icebergs almost, but it's just you know, part of the glacier. Uh, and just really, it was just peaceful. It was sunny. It was just a beautiful, mm-hmm. clear sunny day. It was warm, you know, and uh, you know hardly any wind. And it was just uh it was like, I don't know, it was a perfect, perfect day uh, to to be there. And it just felt, I don't know, just felt felt nice. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was uh, it was definitely cool to to be there. Um, the trek itself was just amazing to be in the mountains like that because annapurna you're in the mountains but not like you are with ever space camp that trek you're like really in the mountains yeah i mean you can just all along the way there are these massive mountains you're like oh there's the fourth largest tallest mountain in the world and wow you know there's you know the the second and there's everest and there's you know and then you're you know on on this mountain that was just like seemed to be ever present um you know some of them you know we came across some folks who had climbed this little peak little peak you know it's called <laughs> Little <Island>. Peak <laughs> yeah and then you know and then Amadabum there's this uh, I, I don't I can't I, I don't know what the elevation of that is I think it's like around 24 to 26,000 feet and yeah you know, there is this 70-year-old French guy probably from Chamonix or something you know and yeah. his wife uh and you know she followed him up to the base camp of that mountain and then he climbed it. Somebody that came out wow. solo, just you know, uh, amazing, badass people like yeah, that right? you come across. Um, but you know it, at times the trail is kind of crowded. Uh-huh. Uh and you know, but once you get to this one town called Namche Bazaar, the trail really kind of goes in multiple different directions. You can take different routes. Mm-hmm. We did the classic. Uh, route, um, which is probably a little bit busier, uh, but it's still, you, you kind of spaced out and you were, you know, you felt, you know, you could be alone and, and really just sort of enjoy the peace of it, yeah. but uh, still really cultural though, like, like, and you're going through these towns, these little villages were these uh, temples that are 600 years old mm. and they have these, you know, these, these prayer books, you know, in these walls, you know, these Buddhist um, scriptures basically that, uh, you know, they're basically the chants, you know, that they they prayer, you know, that they're 600 years old, came over from Tibet. Um, You know, and, and, you know, we went into this one um, on the way down, went into this one temple where they were doing a sand mandala. Oh, yeah, I love those. Yeah, and I had, you know, back in when i was living in san francisco they were they were doing this massive mandala um at berkeley Mm -hmm. uh, tibetan monks and i had gone over and like just happened to like realize it was going on and went over the day they were doing the the ending ceremony Mm -hmm. where you know it's completely done and people had seen it for like a week and then they just just sweep they sweep it away right so these guys were, were we're creating that. Cool. You know, it's a small one. It was probably ultimately the size of like this rug, like mm-hmm. you know, four or five feet. You know, in what diameter. do they do with all the same when they sweep it away? Because then it's all together, right? Yeah, I don't know what they do with it. That's a good question. Right? Because yeah, like, so they, they can't so separate, separate it into colors at first. And they just have their little funnels and their tapping. And what you know? do you do with it? That's I mean, I, I Maybe they it sort it right out. Way. Yeah, they sort Jesus. it out. With,
0: yes, one grain
1: at a time. Can you imagine? The wow. impermanence. Yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they cast it into the wind or the or the river yeah. or, or something. I Probably, don't know. yeah. But
0: now, when you were at base camp, did you yeah. get the itch where you like? I want to get up. I want to get up there. Um, up to up to the summit.
1: Go big or go home. Did you yeah, get that itch? itch? You know, I didn't. Um, <laughs> however, I there there. I definitely not Everest for some reason because I know that. To climb Everest, it's one I could never afford it. You got to drop yeah. you know 50000 yeah. dollars, something like that, you know, to do that. Permits and guiding companies and all that uh-huh. stuff. And you know, and I and I, I feel strongly that if you're not a skilled mountaineer that has um, a ton of mountaineering experience under your belt, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. People do it. I just think it's wrong. Yeah. Um, you know and they're they're kind of dragged up there by these mm-hmm. guiding companies and, and all that and I just I don't know I just disagree with it yeah um, and I don't have that level of experience I mean I did a lot of stuff when I was in my 20s but I haven't done a lot mm-hmm. since then and so but you know there are some other peaks though that you know are, you know that that I just was sort of drawn to like how I love mm-hmm. to do like this Amadablam peak that that you know that the guy climbed the 70 year old guy from Chamonix I don't, I'm sure he's not, not shaman, but that was my my view, and uh, I'd love to do something like that. But that's yeah. probably just as challenging, right? Yeah, yeah um, sure. But yeah, so I do get I do when I when I'm at the base of any yeah. mountain. You know, when I was in the Tetons, you know, it was killing me that I was like felt like crap and couldn't really do anything. So I'm like, ah, oh, I just want right. to want to go up there. Like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, so are you going to
0: like with your. With the expedition company Sangha, are you gonna, mm-hmm. are you gonna continue? Like, what's next? Yeah,
1: one? I don't know. Um, yeah, there's so many. There, there are so many places in Nepal that I'd like to go to. Mm-hmm. Nepal and Tibet as well. Uh, different treks to do. One is going into the upper Mustang region, which is uh, sort of it was the last kingdom in Nepal. Huh. Nepal was made up of a bunch of kingdoms and it's pretty much part of Tibet I and mean, it's yeah. just this really strong Tibetan influence um it's not uh um super high in terms of elevation now it's not really a mountain kind of trek it's more 15 is it over fifteen thousand because you can get some good <laughs> i know no i don't think i get up even to 15 maybe there might be a way to do it it's really dry kind of high desert um area uh and but really remote. Unfortunately now though there's a road that's being pushed up through Mm -hmm. there uh that will connect into China and it'll become sort of this trade route uh which will probably be great in terms of um trade for Nepal and the everyday person uh but it's gonna kill the region for trekking which will hurt Mm -hmm. them as far as tourism. Uh so you know as a as a western um person that likes to go to nepal yeah. to be able to see the old way of life and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff which is my own you know western bias yeah <laughs> you know right. you know i'm sorry you guys don't deserve to have your quality of living yeah. increase that <laughs> i can come and, exactly and feast right. on your your yeah. ancient ways of living uh but uh, mm-hmm. you know it won't be great for that but uh so I, I but there's some there's a trek there there's also i'd like to do um a trek in um uh uh tibet uh, around my, mount kailash uh which is this very sort of it's this pilgrimage type of mountain where uh, uh people will do it's it's buddhists will do this um this this loop around the mountain in a clockwise fashion where they're doing full prostrations mm-hmm. all the way around the oh really Wow. Yeah, that's how, that, it's not like walking, yeah. it's like go down, you know, that's all incredible. the way stretched out to your fingertips, wow. and then come back up, go to where your fingertips were, do it oh, again, all gosh. the way around. The, and yeah. you're, you're at altitude, you're getting yeah. pretty high. Um, I'd love to do that, mm-hmm. not in full frustrations all the way around yeah, it, although no. I'd love to spend maybe half frustrations. If I could even spend half a day doing that, <laughs> that would be pretty intense. I bet it would. But to have some sort of experience like that, yeah. So, but I don't know. You know, in terms of Sangha expeditions, it's you know I know that um, Chandra, who who runs, uh, you know the trekking you know business that I partner with over there, uh, you know he would like me to drum up as much business mm-hmm. as possible here and send clients his way. Most of his clients come from France and Switzerland, and Germany. Um, and uh, but he'd love to tap yeah. in more to, to the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming I hadn't talked to him, I was going to reach out to him. Uh, but I'm assuming this coronavirus is wiped out trekking yeah. season, so the they've shut place. down Everest for climbing, um, mm-hmm. this year, yeah. So uh, I can't imagine people are traveling to Nepal right. to to trek, and so he's got zero business, <laughs> yeah. I would assume this, um, this year, which is tough. 20, uh, uh Nepal has this visit Nepal 2020 um, this massive tourism campaign they've got going for 2020 it's going to be it's shot just, yeah, yeah maybe this yeah. fall they'll get some some mm-hmm. trekkers but I, yeah. who knows um, so you'll have to start trekking
0: out. here just in Maine I know well there's right. so much to
1: see hundred in the United States where, right yeah. yeah 100 mile wilderness but even like just out west right yeah. in Colorado and sure. Wyoming and whatnot there's just like why do I need to go to yeah, the Himalayas, right? You know, we're I... the in. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks for spending some time telling us about the journey. And
0: uh, I got to go home and like build my own deck now or something. What you
1: wanna do?